to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Well, welcome back. Here we are uh, recording episode three of the My Pet Podcast. Uh, I'm Belinda and I'm joined uh, today by Dr Glenn, a veterinarian with 23 years of experience in both uh, small and large animals. Hello everybody out there. And we also have Beck from Vet and Pet Direct who is a, an experienced vet nurse and is responsible for a lot of the content and a lot of the knowledge sort of based stuff that we have at Vet and Pet Direct. Hi everyone. So today we thought we'd just jump straight on in and cut to the chase and let's talk about a really big issue at this time of the, of the year and that is our dogs that are afraid of thunderstorms and or fireworks. You know, New Year's Eve is rapidly approaching so that's, you know, major fireworks time of year and it's not just the big displays, it's the rogue fireworks out in the, in the, in the burbs or in rural areas. Um, and of course, thunderstorms. You know, I know where we are here in southeast Queensland, we've had an amazing start into spring and summer with thunderstorms um, everywhere. And, you know, this is a, a topic that's quite near and dear to my heart because, you know, over the years of being a dog owner myself, you know, coming home, not having your dogs in the yard where you left them in the morning and then seeing one galloping down the middle of the bitumen terrified on a busy road is like something, you know, no pet owner ever wants to see. Or another situation, coming home and finding your dog that you'd left safely confined inside a shed has spent the entire afternoon digging furiously at the door trying to get out of the shed because of something that was setting off, I think it was a thunderstorm or a whip cracking or something, and having bleeding toenails and stuff like that just from the sheer distress of it. So, you know, fully sympathetic with people out there that are dealing with this kind of issue with dogs. So... um, Dr. Glenn, let's hand straight over to you and, and dive right into this topic because I know it's something that's very prominent in the clinic at this time of year. Yeah, look, absolutely. Every time a thunderstorm rolls through, we end up with three or four or six or seven stray pets that come in. Um, absolutely just terrified. They're not in control of their faculties, basically, and um, it's a very, very big problem at this time of year. Um, I mean, it comes down to an anxiety disorder. There's not many pets when they're young, like puppies and young dogs, are worried about thunderstorms and, and loud noises like fireworks. It's really a big problem that tends to escalate over time and there's some things that you can do to help them de-escalate things and, and, um, and some training aids and that sort of thing that can help out. But um, if you don't do something about it or at least attempt to a lot of the time, it, it does get worse over time. It's not just some dogs do it and some dogs don't. One dog in the family that's worried can teach the other dog to be worried and, and it's a big problem. And unfortunately, all other things being equal, it only escalates over time as a rule. And, and Beck, what about yourself? Like, what's your experience that have been as well, like in, in the clinic situation and even, you know, here uh, with Vet and Pet Direct in terms of, like, interacting with customers, etc. over, you know, thunderstorms and or fireworks? Yeah, we find that we get a lot of people talking about dogs being petrified from storms and what can they do and even my own experience I've got both my dogs have always had storm phobias um we see it all the time at the moment they're everywhere on Facebook and lost pets because when the storm hits they're all disappearing it's a really common issue for most pet owners I think at some point probably are going through it as a dog's age normally and it breaks I mean it breaks your heart oh it is you see all these dogs oh found this dog on the side of the road and he's wet and he's petrified his eyes are bulging his heart's racing and as as Glenn said it gets worse often as they get older so what starts out as a little thing it just keeps getting worse and it just keeps tugging on our heartstrings as we try desperately to find something to try and 
And know, often as an stop. owner, you just have no idea why it happens. Why all of a sudden? Why this year has my dog all of a sudden become scared of thunderstorms? They weren't last year. Yeah. So, Dr. Glenn, all right, I'm coming in to see you in your clinic and I'm bringing Brutus with me because, you know, I just can't bear to see him like this anymore. Where, where do I even begin? Yeah, look, I mean, the beginnings, it, it depends on some extent uh, how severe the, the problem already is. I mean, if you can see your pet starting to become a little bit anxious, and I suppose the, the initial symptoms and, and signs are going to be just when they hear that storm or thunder rolling, or sometimes it's before the, the storm starts, just... Um, anxiety levels increasing and what does anxiety look like in pets well that's um, usually restlessness and puffing and panting uh, sometimes they'll try and um, sort of escape or or um, retract to somewhere where they feel safe yeah and, and sometimes if you've got an inside outside dog I mean that's more likely to be inside potentially um, and that's assuming you're home to, to sort of pick up on those symptoms I mean these days lots of people work lots of days and lots of nights and and, um, and pets are often home alone um, whether that's inside or outside um, that left to the sort of their own devices to some extent and, and if the owners of the pet safety blanket were not there that probably exasperates things a little bit but the um, yeah I mean those anxiety symptoms they start just being um, not happy and puffing and panting and not just sitting around sleeping which most dogs do 20 hours a day um, and then that behavior can escalate into um, you know attempted escapes or attempted um, you know trying to get into the house or get out of the house or get out of the house yard um, and then there's the, the self-trauma that goes along with that or potentially the um, you know the hit by cars and all that sort of thing if they do get out of the yard um, but I mean I've had owners that have had I had a couple of weeks ago an owner whose um, one year old Hilux 4x4 was destroyed because the dog who was storm afraid was in the garage and they went out and the uh, windows to the car were left down and the dog jumped into oh, the no. interior of the car and Whoops. shredded everything and $20,000 later that's how much it's going to cost to fix up the, the inside of the Hilux. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean it, it you know I mean it's sort of a quirky thing but it's also very sad because that dog was obviously oh, you know, terrified. Petr- petrified yeah. yeah and and you know just trying to find a point of release and, and unable to find it all that was that seemed like the best idea at the time basically yeah. So you know let's start off then say I've got my dog just turned it you know they're just a you know an old puppy you know one going on maybe two years old and I'm just starting to see a little bit of that they've just heard that first little grumble of thunder out the back and I've just noticed all of a sudden that they've started they've come over to me and they're sort of crowding around my legs uh, maybe puffing a little bit you know what would be your uh, recommendation in terms of how do I handle that right out of the gate? Because, you know, I've had a storm-phobic dog before. How yeah. can I help this one not go that way as well? Yeah, look, if they're, if they're still, like, just sort of looking for moral support, I suppose, and, um, and they're still responsive to what you're saying and they can still follow directions and that sort of thing, you can um, make that behaviour um, more um, comfortable for the dog, as in distract them in doing something that they like, whether that's you know, playing with toys or, or having, like, chew toys or something like that. If you can distract them into something that they're happy to do when their symptoms are relatively mild um, you can make the storm um, uh, a positive association experience. yeah more, a more positive experience yeah. at least a neutral experience so you can distract them from the thing that they're starting to get a little bit worried about and so distraction and with toys you were saying or even food treats toys or food treats or um, company like things that make yeah, i mean food treats that last for a while basically so they're not going to be not just like here's a biscuit that you on that's gone in 10 seconds it's um you know some of those treat reward sort of toys that it takes them a while to lick the stuff out of the middle of or, or treat dispensers and that sort of thing or, or you know dental treats that takes them a while to, to chew through sort of thing if they're happy to keep keep chewing on that um and they're not too terrified to 
um, to not respond to that sort of thing. Yeah, and, th- and that should help. You don't okay. want to make them feel worse about it. Like, there's no point chastising them about it. There's no, no point getting work. up about it. Um, there used to be a chain of thought that you shouldn't reward um, sort of um, behaviour where they're uh, worried about things. It, it's not so much rewarding that behaviour. It's just trying to distract them to, d- to do mm. something else and, and whether that's, yeah, run around with a tennis ball, but that may not be the best thing to do if the storm's already there. <laughs> Um, but something that, that can distract them that they already know how to do if they've got some obedience training. It's sort of a positive association rather po- than saying, stop it, quit it. You that's know, right. You're being, that's right. you're just being silly. Ne- never going to work. just makes them feel worse about the situation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sure. Okay. So no punishment. We can mm-hmm. try um, using some form of distraction. Uh, where else do I go? Do I, you know... Is it too? You know, do I need to be looking at drug intervention yet? Like, you know, what's what comes next? Yeah, I mean, look, drug interventions... Um, uh, at the other end of the treatment spectrum sort of thing. I mean, you can, if you're going to be home and that's sort of one sort of line you've got to draw in the sand, okay, what do you do when you're home and what do you do when you're not home? Um, mm-hmm. Because that completely changes the, the scenario. So, I mean, if you're home and you've got somewhere that's safe, like if your pet, particularly for indoor, outdoor um, dogs, if they're crate trained and that's their den, like that's their safe spot where they're used to sleeping, absolutely give them access to their den if they're normally happy being in there and you can go to the extent of, you know, covering that up with heavy blankets or or, I mean, soundproofing it to some extent, like having it um, in the back of the um, house where there's more brickwork or smaller rooms, but you just don't want to do that. Okay, here comes a storm, we're going to lock in a cupboard or something like that. They've got to be happy and comfortable in that in that situation, in that spot when there's not a storm on. Yeah, so, I mean, appropriate training, and I mean, that's a whole other topic too, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like crate training or denning and that sort of thing, like yeah. making sure your dog is happy to be there yeah. when it's not the crisis situation, that's just right. in a normal... Right. normal and, and, and having it... As a happy place, because the last thing you want to do is make them feel like, oh God, here comes a storm, we're going to get locked in somewhere again. Somewhere where I hate which being. Which I hate being anyway. Yeah, you want it to be a, a, a good place for them to be. And, yeah. and that's the, the situation if you're not going to be home, you're saying, isn't it? Like, because if you are home, what what would should you still be putting the animal there or like well no, if, if you're home and, and the animal's happy to be in its crate and that's where it sleeps i mean i've got no troubles with them being there if, if they're happy there and if that if they're not happy there if they would rather be sitting beside you on the couch i mean if you're home and there's no troubles with them doing that i mean the problem is if you're not going to be home okay they possibly aren't going to be sitting on the couch beside you um, they can get destructive and they can hurt themselves yeah, and it's, swallow it's a hard things. one but then okay my pet's got to be somewhere in yep. the storm season I go to the work Monday to Friday and, and my pet's either got to be inside or outside um, so at the end of the day you've got to decide okay is it going to be inside or outside um, and try to make either of those places as as, um, as safe as possible for the pet and that's not necessarily that easy depending on how violent they want to do about be about getting away from things yeah i, I know yeah and I, I suppose that's one of the things sometimes we don't really know what we've got until we have a a pretty bad sort of episode with them don't, you know it, but, it may start off just a little bit restless but it could rapidly escalate into something and then we're not home and we haven't that's right you haven't seen we, it we haven't put them in a den and we haven't done mm. all that and yeah no, potentially, and, and that can happen, and, and I see it that um, particularly as summer sort of comes along, like those days where you, well, the weeks where you get like three or four or five storm days in a row, like the fifth day is ten times worse than the first day because um, all those um, bad neurotoxins that make them feel anxious, I mean, they're building up in their system and, and they're a wreck by the end of the week, so usually that behaviour, you know, is worse the more often it's happening, but if that's first storm's on Monday and the last storm's on Friday and you've been away every day of the week... Um, at, at work, I mean, yeah, you've, you've missed the escalation potentially. So is it feasible in that situation that your dog might be confined to that den, den sort of area for five days when you're not home? 
Oh, look, I mean, if, if it's set up that way and depending on the time frame and everything else, I mean, it's probably not um, practical or, or feasible to lock a pet in a very small area for, you know, if you're at work for 10 hours, I mean, they've got to have a toilet break sometime in that and, and you don't want it to be really like a punishment area. So it, it does become more difficult for, you know, people that are away for extended, you know, extended periods during yeah. the day. Yeah, it makes it hard. I mean, you can have, you know, a large crate for a, a medium-sized dog and have bed up one end and, and you know, water and, and puppy pads, etc. at the other end if they're trained that way. But it, again, you're not going to do that all of a sudden, okay. Mm. Here comes a storm for the first time ever. I'm going to lock you in your cage for the whole day. So there's a lot of merit there for starting a lot of this sort of stuff as puppies, isn't Absolutely, there? You know, yeah. Because if we start that conditioning when they're young, then we have got those tools in our tool yeah. basket perhaps when, if and when we need them. But there is an option when you need them, that's right. And there's all sorts of um, augmented things you can do along with if you are going to um, have them just in the one spot. There's, there's things like um, pheromones and, and other um, bits and pieces that can help to make that area more comfortable as well, uh, like white noise in the background and and um, and you know, distractive things to try and drown out some of the sounds, but that's fairly difficult when lightning's cracking overhead. Mm. Um, but, I mean, there are some products that can help um, to make their environment potentially more um, satisfying and happy for them, yeah. Sure, and maybe, Beck, do you want to comment something about that? Like, you know, we have a lot of products here at Vet and Pet Direct, and, you know, there are ones, like, uh, Adaptable, I think, is one that yep. we have there. You know, uh, I'm not sure. Have we got any, like, Sound Scary DVDs and things like that? Uh, yes, we've had the... <laughs> So they sound scary as DVDs and CDs that sort yeah. of... Um, That's not a masking one, though, is it? That's more of, a, I think, a training... Yes, it's more one. of a training situation to get them used to those noises. But if you're wanting to mask things when you've got them in crates or perhaps in the garage or a small room during storm, you can try just putting the TV on. It will help. Yeah, or loud music or something even, hey? TV is good because it's got the light flashes, so sometimes it disguises your flashes of lightning, which yep. also scare the dog. Um but we do sell Adaptal both in a way of collar and in a diffuser. And they are, that's a pheromone that's designed to help um, keep your dog happy pretty much. And it's used in a number of different um, situations from puppies through to uh, storm anxiety, separation anxiety, fireworks. There's um, some real science and merit behind these products. Um, and, they, and they're just plug-in products, aren't they? Like you just have a diffuser thing, like a mosquito sort of thing yep, that you plug like into your the wall. air freshener things, yep. They just plug into the wall and do a small area. Um, or they have a collar option. Oh, there's a collar There is well? a collar that's yeah. like a flea collar that it just sits on the dog for – it stays works for about a month and emits those pheromones. So, yeah, so it's just dog-appeasing pheromone that yep. makes them feel like um, the whole place smells like them, basically, and, and it has some um, psychological effect just in a general calming it's way. It's probably basically. one of these things where it's not something on its own that's, that's right. going to make that's the difference, right. but it's a whole combination of things it's that need help. to be probably considered and, and perhaps used together. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing, look, it's, it's a big problem and you probably need to change half a dozen different yes. things to try and get the best result possible for your pet and, and that may be a complete fix or it may be just reducing um, the likelihood of troubles or reducing the severity of the troubles, but, but everything helps to, to build up and, and really the other main um, behavioural modification thing that I see that successful a lot of the time look it doesn't fix all of them is um is compression garments like yes. yeah that's a re- relatively newer sort of concept isn't it it's like mm. this sort of swaddling of babies almost yeah, like, like right, giving yeah. them a big hug yeah, yeah. And, and that's what they do like their thunder shorts thunder shirts and storm shirts they um they just give active compression to yep. mostly the chest um and in sort of in front of the shoulders area so you're not trying to keep them warm they're not 
um, hot, like it's fairly lightweight material. Um, and when you strap them up, there's just Velcro adjustments basically. And, and it just gives them compression and it does cause a, like a physiological response. It yes. in, increases the, um, the release of serotonin, one of the positive yep. neurotransmitters in the brain and, and can help. Uh, temper down those anxious moments, mm. and, and I mean, seems to be, I mean, they're marketed as storm sheds, but I mean, again, we use them for, for separation anxiety. anxiety and all sorts of that anxiety, you know, complex of troubles. But clinically, I think I see probably I, I normally tell people sixty to seventy percent of dogs you see a significant improvement, and that means that thirty to forty percent you don't. Um, and that's, that's still a pretty good. It's worth having a shot yes. at. Oh, isn't absolutely, it? And, and in combination with other things, yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, again, the earlier you try it, like if you yep. if you see your dog just starting to get that bit puffy and panty and storms and they're not falling to pieces I mean that's the time to stick one on yeah. um, and try it out and, and again um, it's something that if you're going out to work and you know there's any chance that there's going to be a storm you know they're not hot um, winter jackets to keep them warm and you can put that on at 8 o'clock in the morning on a summer's day when you go to work and it's not going to make any difference to the body's no. um, the dog's body temperature as such because dogs um, don't sweat they don't have to radiate heat they're just you know they're panting um, and it's designed to, to stay on there um, you know while you're not there so it's one of the the, the sort of few things that work um, when they're outdoors and for a long time that's right yeah and, and when you're not there yeah yep. so it's definitely worth a go I think in, in basically all cases of anxiety that's I mean, for sure some good science behind them even mm. in people you see that well, it's the same concept as swaddling a baby and even they say you know hugging a kid that's having a tantrum yeah, if you absolutely. give them a good hug they yeah it's just that gentle steady pressure isn't yes. it yeah, yeah. Uh, and what about if i look i'm just too impatient to do all this i'm just going to come straight to you glenn and get you to give me some drugs for this dog Yep, and look, I mean, and there are medications that we use on a routine basis. Um, I would encourage people if we're going down the, the medication route, and there's several different options within that medication route, to, to um, additionally to doing that, you know, go for your thunder shirts and, and try some of these behavioural modifications. So that would be what you'd recommend first, you know, if, if you, it's your first instance of interacting with that oh, animal, you would suggest the behavioural sort of interventions first? It, it depends on the severity. Like if I've had patients come into me and, and they've just, you know, ripped all their claws off basically they've blood everywhere and the owners have got photos of the place and it looks like there's been a murder um i mean that dog probably isn't going to respond without some sort of chemical intervention in in the short to medium term so yeah if if they're self-harming um or they're you know destroying all sorts of stuff chewing through gyproc walls and all that sort of thing um yeah i'll, I'll use have yeah. you seen that Yes. Through, yep. Yep. I've yep. seen I've seen a house destroyed where every piece of plasterboard in the house needs to be replaced. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. They'll chew themselves out of doors and everything. It's sure. just awful. And, and so that's where you know having a good relationship with your vet and making oh, yeah. sure your vet you know knows your dog yeah. is going to really help because you know it, it it's probably not going to be a situation where you go in once and you're going to get this magic potion and Absolutely. suddenly it's all going to be better. Yep. Maybe it's sometimes the best you're going to be able to hope for is to just take a bit of the edge off mm-hmm. and hopefully lessen. The, uh, the effects, but you may never see it go away completely. You, no, would that you, be fair you, to say? Yeah, you may not, but I mean, I've got pets that you know, they'll start down the course of medication. If we're going to start talking about medication, I mean, there's there's a couple of different groups that we use. There's there's short-acting um, anti-anxiety medications that you can give on an as-needed basis to a certain extent. I mean, they take sort of half an hour to an hour and a half to effect and, and last for six to eight to ten to twelve hours, depending on the, on the medication. And that... Um, purely is an anti-anxiety medication that reduces their response it's not 
um, a tranquilizer. You're not just trying to bomb them out so they can't respond. It's, it's it, it, you know, it's an anti, a prescription anti-anxiety medication. There's some pets um, that we, you know, if they're really severe, go to long-acting medications. I'm going to say long-acting medications. They've got to be on those drugs for extended periods, A, for them to work in the first place, but they've got to stay on them. You can't use them on an as-needed basis. You, you give it at the prescribed dose daily or every um, twice a day, and it again changes the brain chemistry we're trying to reduce those um, anxiety neurotransmitters and make them feel better and happier within themselves and and if you see a significant change in behavior usually along with um, the crating or the den principles and and the start throw a storm shirt in there as well and some behavioral modification if you see okay for the you know three or four months after that a reduction in the symptoms um, and everything's improving okay you, you look at tapering off the medication and, and is the um, you know feeling better in the environment and the storm shirts and the adaptive call is that enough to, to maintain that um, because you don't want them to be on medication unless they need it if they need to they can stay on it but um, if they don't need the medication because you've you've convinced them that they're not going to die when a storm comes around um, yeah, some of those pets you can taper off and, 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 and go off that medication. And those long-acting medications, you do have to taper them off because it's it's causing significant chemical changes in the brain and you can't go cold turkey because you can have some ill effects from it. So, which in the case of a storm phobia, um, that's actually doable, isn't it? Because generally, you know, our storms are seasonal, so... To, to a large extent, yeah, some of those pets, they'll, they'll be on the, the long-acting anti-anxiety medications, um, you know, during the, yeah, the storm season, and then they might be off them for three or four or five or six months, um, and then, you know, come the next storm season, um, you can start them back off again. And if they're not that bad, and they respond to the, the short-acting, um, you know, on as-needed basis ones, well, you can use those, you know, you might be two weeks with no storms, and then, okay, it's going to be a storm day, day to day if you're using one of the ones that lasts for 12 hours, and you're anticipating a storm, they can have their medication at 8 o'clock in the morning, and that'll get them through till 6 o'clock at night when you're home from work again. Sure, so, and I, it's probably pretty uh, crucial to emphasise there, though, that the medication you know, on its own, it's probably not going to be sufficient. Like, you're going to have to in, in, utilise some of these other techniques as well yeah, that's for, the, right. for the best sort of outcome. Best outcome and the, and the best likelihood of a, of a good outcome because it, it's not just here's a pill and things are going to go away altogether straight away. Yeah, that's that's a very unlikely scenario. It, it, it takes, um, you know, some time and some input on owner's behalf, which is one of the reasons why it's very frustrating. I mean, it's it's not an easy fix by any means. Yeah, you've got to be pretty dedicated as a, as the owner, don't you? Yeah. Because it's, it is frustrating the things you do don't, aren't necessarily going to have a great impact immediately. Well, they may not, and, and um, it's an oldest trial and error, error. I mean, there's there's several different medications that you can use, and, and you sort of pick the one that's probably best suited for that situation, but you don't really know until you try it. Um, yep. So it may be, okay, we'll try this medication at this dose. Okay, we've had some response, but but it's not enough to keep them comfortable. Okay, do we increase the dose of that medication if it's within the dosage ranges, or do we need to add in a different medication, or do we need to try a different one? Um, so yeah, it's not okay. This is the direct effects of this medication on every pet because yeah, same as psychiatric drugs in people, it doesn't work like that. It's um yeah, it's sometimes it's just test it, see what the results are, and and go from there, and and that can be complicated because you might not have a storm for. Six, six weeks and everything's going happy and then you have a storm and well it hasn't actually made any difference and, and you've been doing it for six weeks and, and you haven't had a, a test of the principle really. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay, so 
just from our sort of discussions before we started recording today, you know, you indicated that a lot of there's a lot of overlap between how you would go about addressing a storm, you know, a fear of thunderstorms or a storm phobia with a dog, uh, with, uh, as compared to a fear of fireworks and loud noises like that. And I guess one of the nice thing, one of the big differences between storms and fireworks is that we gen- generally, unless we've got neighbours that are a bit naughty, <laughs> we generally know when there are going to be episodes of fireworks on, you know, if it's, you know, major occasions like the agricultural shows or New Year's Eve and those sort of celebrations, as, a, as opposed to thunderstorms, which tend to just sort of occur. Absolutely. Even and with the best, best weather forecasting in the world, we're still... That's right. They're, they're still unpredictable. I mean, and one of the things, think about with fireworks, well, if you know your dog doesn't like fireworks and you know there's going to be fireworks at 9.30 on New Year's Eve and then again at midnight, I mean, do you reconsider your outing plans for New Year's Eve? I mean, is it is it you know fair on your dog to for you to go out and, and have a party and when you know they're going to be potentially terrified. getting into trouble and terrified at home um, when you might be able to go out the next weekend and, and not have those problems for your dog. So it's just something to consider where there are storms. I mean, you know, people have to go to work. It'd be nice to have a job where you don't have to go to work. But, um, it, 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 yeah, the, the fireworks side of things is more predictable. Sorry, we just have a phone ringing in the background there. That's interesting. Um, I guess that will stop very shortly. Hopefully. Um, sorry, and speaking of distractions with loud noises... Um, Okay, so yeah, that's right. So you don't want to be the party pooper and say nah, New Year's Eve is off, but you know, that's the, hard. The outcome for your pet is going to be a lot better with you there. You know, provided mm-hmm. you're a sympathetic owner and you're doing the best to you know try to settle your pet through that time. So it is a hard decision to make if you are a party animal and you like going out and that's your thing. But you know, your pet's going to benefit an awful lot from you being there to sort yeah. of take get them through that process. That's right, potentially. And, and as I said, particularly with fireworks, because you know it's only that you know that one night of the year, or it's not the only fireworks display. But if you know that that's when it's happening, it's yeah. At least you can plan for it as opposed to storms, which makes it a lot harder. Yes. Is there anything like else, like you know, in terms of com- comparing between the two, you know, the things that we've covered for storms? Is there anything extra that you'd add in for fireworks? Uh, not in particular. I mean, it's still loud noise. I mean, if anything, the the storm situations probably. Um, more, more problematic in that I mean there's atmospheric things and there's um, the light show and the ground rumbles and everything else and if you're right next to the showgrounds where the fireworks are going off all that the ground may rumble there but there's there's probably more things to be scared about consistently with the storm side of things because it has more direct influence direct influence and, and yeah just through to okay you know the association of if it's raining really heavily well there's mm. a noise associated with that and and I'm sure dogs can smell the you know sulfur in the air if there's close by lightning strikes yeah and that so sort before of thing, we so. perhaps have even heard the yes. storm coming Absolutely. you know that's pretty common for pet owners to yeah. sort of say that isn't it that their dogs already Sensed it or yeah. yeah already started before and, and we they've got know. I mean they've got they certainly got a lot more acute hearing than us but I mean dogs know when it's a hot humid day and the barometric pressure is dropping you know there's no storms in the eastern quarter of Australia that have formed yet because it's 10 o'clock in the morning but they know okay it feels like it's going to be a stormy day I'm going to start puffing and panting and and just moping around the place and and trying to find a quiet spot Um, you know you can pick up on those those signs early on before there's any lightning strikes anywhere yeah sure 
Well, let me just... I, I've sort of been jotting down our things here because if, you know, we've got people listening that it, this is their thing and it's one of their big bugbears to have to deal with. You know, if we go through as a short summary, you know, the, one of the very first things we said, like, just no punishment. I mean, there's just no mm. pl- place for punishment in this. Like, you, your animal, like your dog, is actually scared, they're actually terrified. They don't put that on to annoy you. I mean, you They know, don't really have a control over yeah. it. They're not doing it on purpose. They're not doing it on purpose. So we'll get that one out of the road straight yep. away. And then, you know, thinking about how could we positively distract our pet during this time? Could we uh, provide them with toys that, you know, that were really engaging or little food treats and stuff that can, you know, be very engaging for them or company? You know, just your presence being around can be a welcome distraction because dogs are very much social pack animals. Yep. Um, the considerations and prior planning uh, of being at home versus how how are you going to manage these situations if you're not at home and then if it's things like fireworks well do you do everything in your power to be at home versus thunderstorms where perhaps you've got to have some strategies up your sleeve on you know ready to go and that might be starting to crate train or starting to get your animal familiar with a nice safe place when it's not storming you know and, and starting to get all those routines uh, built out now, looking for the quietest places in your house that if that happened and you had to leave your pet alone on the stormy days, that perhaps you could have the TV up very loud or the music playing or some other sort of white noise or something going on uh, and have a safe place for them to be there. We also discussed the pheromones, uh, and that's uh, Adaptal, I believe, is the yeah. only brand that we have in Australia yeah. that can do this for us. So that's a little plug-in thing to the wall, uh, a diffuser or, or a collar option there. We also talked about uh, compression garments, and that's uh, Thunder Shirts and Storm Shirts. Is that the other brand? Is that there's a couple of different brands? Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of options now. A couple yep. of options now. Um, so that's uh, definitely another thing to consider. And then you know, also medication. And this is you know, working in with your vet there. You know, if you've, you're getting an issue there that you think's getting a little bit out of hand, um, have a chat to your vet about some options there. Whether it's a short-acting medication that you're your pet may only go uh, need to take you know on the day of the storm and things like that or whether they need to be on a longer acting uh, product that they need to take perhaps for the duration of the storm season uh, and you know you're not trying to tranquilize your pet this is the other thing here we're not trying to bomb them out and immobilize them so they're terrified because i mean they can still with some of those kind of drugs they can still hear everything they just can't move that's definitely not the kind of thing we're indicating here these are actually sort of behavioral um psychological that's right they're, they're behavior modifiers they're not just yeah some of the tranquilizers just immobilize the pet but they're still crapping themselves on the inside yep yeah and then okay and so in wrapping up because you know i think we've uh, summed that up you know really quite succinctly and nicely the outcome is not necessarily all doom and gloom i mean the outcome is definitely going to be variable every animal is going to respond differently that's right, and I suppose the most important thing for me is um, being aware of those early symptoms potentially, like that first and second and third time that you see just the very start of those problems. Just realise and know that it's not going to get any better most likely by itself if you if you do nothing and nothing changes, so that's the time to try and intervene um, with a few measures to try and um, taper those problems before they become Actually, that's you know, significant you, problems. That's interesting you say that, because I remember back in my sort of early puppy-owning days of sort of that was the... the um recommendation at that point was ignore them you know Mm. they're being silly about the storm just ignore them and that's not really what we'd sort of suggest now now it's more we don't we try to stay calm ourselves you know we don't try to get all agitated because there's a storm around as well because you know we certainly see that in people they sort of set off they actually set off the 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 thing in in their pets try to stay calm um 
but yeah, you just yeah. But start putting those things in place that, that are going to help with the you know the, the distract them to do something else and, and maybe get a storm thundershirt you know sooner rather than later to try and you know de-escalate the problem sure. uh, before it starts to become a big a big issue because you know the worse they are definitely the harder it is to treat and the opposite's the the fact I mean if you can get it early enough it's a lot easier to de-escalate it and hopefully it won't be a problem in the future. And Beck, did you have anything else you wanted to add to our little list of things there? Oh, just mainly I just want to also mention that if you do have a um, dog that is very scared of your storms or your uh, fireworks, please make sure that your fencing is as good as you possibly can get it. You need to make sure that you've got if they're outside or even inside make sure that they're in safe secure place their fencing needs to be good they need to have a shelter that they can get away from any sort of bad weather so they've got somewhere safe that they can hide and make sure that they are microchipped and their microchip details are up to date it's useless having a microchip when the details are listed to a phone number that was left six it's years ago. Absolutely. And that's so common, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Glenn, you're time. seeing that in your clinic absolutely. Like, if on we, a, if almost daily basis. If, if we get six dogs that come in, there'll be four that are yep. microchipped, two that aren't, but two of the ones that are microchipped haven't got details up to date and the phone number's disconnected, so you might as well not have the microchip. So how, exactly. do you, how do you update your microchip details? So you should have got some paperwork initially when you um, had your pet microchip, yep. but that might have been 10 years ago and paperwork's all going out the window, which is fine. So if you go down to your local vet, they'll be able to scan your pet and then um, search the data, database and see which database it's on. There's about six different databases, mm. which yeah, is right. a bit of a pain in the bum in yeah. Australia. Um, but the, if they're on the databases somewhere, and that means you've got to look through, I think, three different databases now yeah. um, to um, to find, okay, what details is that pet under? And if your address, etc., has changed, there's paperwork and, and sometimes it's online and sometimes you've got to ring them up and sometimes you've got to um, fill out paperwork and, and email it off. There's no cost to that, though. Like, would most vets be happy to look that up? I would think most vets should be fine to, to look that up and, and not charge you for it. There are, um, depending on the database, like a $6 charge, I think, is the highest for one the change to, to, of details. To, to change details. Sure. Um, and that's mostly more so change of ownership rather than change yep. of, of actual phone numbers and addresses and that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, and, and if it's change of ownership, like if the if the, the ownership details on the microchip hasn't been transferred, sometimes there's like statutory declaration yep. saying that I'm now the owner because you may not know the address or the phone number or contact details of the person of you person. bought that yep. dog off 10 years ago. Yeah, oh, so. It's really important. It's really important. And, and if you don't know, yep, just I would um, contact your vet and say, could you mm. please scan my dog? And, and, and they'll be able to point you in the direction. And That's of, right. Of, of, you of can't remember. That's no. right. There's yeah. no, it takes no time at all just to get it checked out. That's right. And, and I would think that your vet, because we're the ones that have all the dogs that come mm. in that aren't microchipped, I mean... I'm as keen as mustard to get <laughs> microchip details up to date as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, it makes it so much easier, isn't it? So much nicer to be able to ring someone up oh. and say, "Hey, oh, absolutely, your I mean, dog. It's here at the clinic. It's safe. The clinic, you know? It's safe." And and those people either don't know it's missing half the time yep. because yep, they're still, they're at, still work. at work, yep. yeah, and, and they had no idea the dog was missing, or um, they're out frantically looking for the dog, yep. and and then it's back to the owner versus the other one, which is, um, you know, pets got to be put on Facebook these days. The best, <laughs> best way to, to find, find your lost pet, um, which yeah. is a lot better than it was five years ago. But yeah, I mean. You know, there's probably 50 dogs go to the pound in our local area. Um, yep. Every storm, probably, yeah, from just oh, rocking really up the people's places. Yeah. But microchip details, um, you will get your pet back. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I think that's nice. been a really great thing. You know, if your dog is uh, storm phobic or frightened of thunderstorms or fireworks, you know, there's some great tips in there. All is not lost. We so feel your pain. It is definitely <laughs> a frustrating thing to deal with. But, it, you know, it's quite common. 
and the, you know it's worth the effort you know for all the love etc that our pets give us it's that little bit you got to put back sometimes so. absolutely That's and, right. um, and yeah poor little buggers yeah they're not having much fun yeah so on that note uh we shall uh sign off and uh yeah wish you all a merry christmas etc because i don't think we're oh, going to yes. be back until the new year no nope. sounds good to me yeah. thanks guys merry christmas and <laughs> merry um, thanks for listening merry christmas happy new year guys Bye. Thanks. Bye.